0: Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and with me today I have Pastor John Schubert. Greetings. John, how are you doing? I'm good, Jerry. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, you've, uh, you've kind of got a lot going on in your plate on your plate these yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're here to talk about uh, how you kind of started this service last week of of talking and discussing about death and the chaos of it mm-hmm. um you know obviously you the ultimate chaos is the ul- death right <laughs> yeah the ultimate chaos and and obviously you and your family have experienced that recently with the passing of your father um and i know that uh there's plenty of other people in our church who are going through that as well
1: yeah the list is long and and you know i i was referred to this on sunday as soon as I start naming people who have lost loved ones, you're inevitably going to leave someone out. And that did that, of course. And we had a a young lady in our church that lost her dad also. And, uh, you know, uh, so yeah, death is, you know, all around us. And um, we've got to know how to think about it for sure. And how is it that God, you know, in Christ, Solves it. How, how, what's God's solution there? Yeah, and I think Mark, the Gospel of Mark, study is going to be helpful in all that. Sure. You know, ending with the resurrection. Sure. Yeah. There's a there's a hint. That's important. <laughs> On how Jesus deals with <laughs> death. Yeah. yeah. We just come back to life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good um, way.
0: Yeah, and it seems like it seems like uh, it's an appropriate topic to be discussing discussing nowadays, especially with with all the chaos that's taking place around the world and in death. That's you know, seems to be amping up, um, in our culture and, and, and across
1: the globe. What do you
0: mean inappropriate? Um, uh, not inappropriate, uh, appropriate. And an, I say an appropriate timing. Oh, it's an appropriate thing
1: to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Not, not
0: inappropriate. Um, okay. I mean, unless you want to view it that way. I, I don't No,
1: I don't. That's why I was asking. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. it's, you know, you know, supremely practical, Yeah. you know, yeah conversation. Topic. Well,
0: and we live in a culture too, John, where, where we try to avoid this topic.
1: Sure. No one likes to not no one. Um, most people don't like to discuss death, think about death, you know, especially their own death. Yeah. But yeah. Sooner or later <laughs> we have to. Yeah. 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 Well, and it, this
0: leads up to this, this quote from John MacArthur, um, which is such a great description of, of death. He said this in a sermon back in 1970. Wow. 1970. You yeah. were like, what, 40 years
1: old at that yeah, point? 45. Yeah, 45. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, uh, I was 10, years, 10 or 11 years old in 1970, depending on when the sermon was recorded. Wow. Yeah,
0: 1970. I was 10 or 11 when the church was planted, Sun Valley. Say that again? When Sun Valley Church was planted, I was 10. That's great. Anyways, we're off. We're off subject here. But MacArthur said this in a a sermon back in 1970. He said there was a preacher from the old school who preaches just as boldly today as he did back then. He's not very popular, even though the world is his parish, and he travels to every part of the globe and he speaks in every language. He visits the poor. He visits the rich. He preaches to people of every religion, and he pre- preaches to many of no religion. And the subject of his sermon is always the same. It never changes. He is an eloquent preacher, and he is able to stir emotions in hearts that are not emotional. He's able to bring to tears to eyes that seldom weep. His arguments are beyond refutation there is no heart that remains untouched and unmoved by the force of his appeals. This preacher's preacher shatters life. This preacher disturbs the status quo. Most people hate him. Everybody listens to him. His name is Death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. Every new newspaper prints his text. And one day you will be the subject of his sermon. And he will stand at your graveside.
1: And preach to others well this has been a good podcast jeremy <laughs> thank you let's, let's go ahead and close in prayer man
0: <laughs> i read through that and it just chills the how'd you hundred. find that i just went to grace you and and googled, googled it googled it yeah typed in typed in death
1: wonder what jmac has to say about dying and yeah. that kind of stuff that, that's 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 an amazing quote yeah wow.
0: yeah and i think obviously this is an apt description of of what many people are experiencing in our church right now. Um, so with that in mind, how would you encourage those who are walking through this, this valley of anguish?
1: Valley of the shadow of death. I will yeah. fear no evil for thou art with me. I've read that somewhere. Yeah, that's coming to my mind. Yeah. I think that's in the Bible, somewhere in the Old Testament. Yeah. Like the author of Hebrews says, somewhere it says. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Psalm twenty-three. That's that's right. Yeah. That's what David wrote when he was contemplating death, his own and others. Yeah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Yeah. So, man, this is this is if if a if a Christian <laughs> doesn't know what to think about. As it relates to the nearness of death, their own or their family members, then we've not thought well uh, as the Christian or as the church they attend or as the shepherds of that church. Yeah. One thing that, that um, I think it was Thomas Watson said, if there's anything a pastor must do, it's to prepare his people for death. He goes. That's what the role of the pastor. It, we have to be able to think well about death, not be frightened by it. I mean, it, it is. It remains an enemy, right? Death is the enemy. Sure. It, Paul clearly communicates that in First in Corinthians fifteen and other places, First Thessalonians. But but it's not. It's not an enemy to be feared as a Christian, sure. as as people who have a Savior who conquered death and who's promised that we will conquer death in the same exact way, through resurrection from the dead. Um, so let me, let me read for you some scriptures about how we encourage one another or um, strengthen one another as Christians. This is how Paul did it. First Thessalonians 4.13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who, have, who are asleep, speaking about those who died already. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We grieve, Paul's saying, grieve, yes, grieve well. You know, you should cry. You should be with friends and family. You should grieve the separation that's taken place in your life from someone that you love. But not as if we don't have hope. Man, friends, we have hope. We have great hope. And he continues in Romans 8. Verse twenty-two and twenty-three. For for we know that the whole world has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this uh, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes in what he sees? So we have Paul saying this hope of the resurrection, this hope of restoration, this hope of the solution—God's solution to this ultimate chaos—we have. We have this hope, and it comes from Christ. Romans twelve nine through sixteen: Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. It's kind of a a, a a litany of Christian activity. And so, how do we how do we navigate death and the sorrow of death and the pain of death? We grieve as people who have hope, have a savior, of, of one who's gone before us and presented the solution, which is resurrection. Which, it's, it's such a wonderful and only, the only possible thing that can give us hope in times of death. I, I, I've been to uh, non-Christian funeral services, and they are the most depressing things you know, that you can encounter. And they they sit there and weep and wail and uh, and talk about never seeing them again or have some weird fluffy thing about sitting on the clouds in the future. What? Uh, No. We have a wonderful hope in our Savior Jesus Christ who has gone before us into death, through death, and out of the tomb, resurrected in body, So that's how we grieve. We grieve with hope. We cry, we weep, we, we, you know, sit around and watch old movies or something, whatever it is, and fill our minds and hearts with the wonderful truths and promises of Scripture in the presence of other Christians who believe the same things. I mean, a lot of times people think that the way they encourage someone is to Kind of try to move them out of this grieving process as quickly as possible because grief in our culture is uncomfortable. Sure. Sure. I don't I don't think that's good or necessary. I, th- I think there there comes a time when you know you've grieved too long. Yeah. You know, like it's been three years and you still haven't removed that from your bedroom, yeah. you know, or whatever, or your kitchen, or what you know. You know how that goes. You've heard those stories. Sure. That's not that's not Grieving as though you have hope—that's yeah. a, that's a without hope grieving. Because yeah. the minute we die, if you're in Christ, you're reunited with all the others who've been in Christ in the presence of Christ Himself. Yeah. That that should allow you to grieve with hope.
0: Yeah. yeah, I just I heard someone just a few weeks back we uh, talking about Job and his friends. He's and he said that you know, the time that Job's friends were most helpful was when they when they wept with them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even say a word. Yeah, and they just. I, I thought you were going to say the time Job's friends were most helpful was when they left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that too.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So John, with 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 that in mind, with grief in mind, um, how can we how can we grieve wrongfully?
1: Well. Um, I think you can grieve wrongfully by, um, trying to replay your life with that person. Um, reviewing all your regrets with that person. I think that's unhealthy. Um, I think grieving wrongfully would of course, um, be grief without hope. It would be thinking that you have to maintain some kind of presence with that person either through you know uh, an unhealthy extension of knickknacks that they liked or clothes that they had or habits they kept you know like like the the widow or widower who who continues to return to this particular place or eat at that particular restaurant or to keep that particular knick-knack on the counter of their kitchen countertop because their loved one used to like that. Sure. And then they wake up 5 years later and go, "What what has happened to my last 5 years?" Sure. I'm there's there is a a an important balance in grieving, weeping, emotion and the expression of that. Mm-hmm. Uh and moving on because of the hope we have, the hope in Christ. And so this is this is important, yeah. and this is what I think we must do, is to remember that our, our grief is really momentary, and it should be. It shouldn't be a time of just weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and carrying on like we will never see our loved ones again sure. Sure. Um, but believe what the bible teaches believe what paul teaches believe what jesus taught about death and resurrection so. yeah i think um
0: there are times where uh for christians it can be a struggle especially when we think about um losing a loved one who didn't know christ mm-hmm. uh, i think that's particularly difficult obviously uh, and in light of of God God's sovereignty it can become easy for us to to blame God for not working in our loved one's life how would you encourage those who have lost one a loved one who doesn't know Christ how would you encourage them uh to rest in in God's sovereignty in the midst of this chaos
1: well um one thing, I so, I suppose, where you have to start is to believe in it. <laughs> Do you believe that God is sovereign? Or is all this stuff that's going on around me, including the death of my one loved ones, chance? I, I You can't believe how many Christians I've talked to that are grieving the loss of their loved one, saying, if only I would have done this, or if I would have done that, or if, if I, I could have said this, or... And, they, and they, they carry the burden that God intends to carry. Cast all your care on him for he cares for you. And, and we can cast all of our cares on him because he is the author, the sovereign author of our days. Psalm 119 and other places speaks of the numbers of our days and how God ordained each of them before one of them was lived. And this is a a truth about the sovereignty of God that we must understand and embrace. And so, how do we how do we you know talk about or think about those who have lost loved ones and truly lost them, like we don't know where they are? Well, I've had a couple people come up to me, well-meaning, and I love these folks dearly, but they say things like, "I'm sorry, sorry for your loss." And I know exactly what they mean. But I've answered each time, oh, I, my dad's not lost. I know exactly where he is. And what if we don't have that assurance, though, right? That's what you're asking. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me read for you some scripture. Um, first is Psalm 103, verse 8, says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's his character. He's a merciful God. He's slow to anger, and he abounds in steadfast love. Now, we also understand what it means to come to faith, and the results of faith are usually well documented, right? We usually can see it on the surface when someone comes to faith. But sometimes you don't know all that's going on under the surface in someone's life. You don't know how they've responded to a conversation you've had with them or a booklet they read or a verse they read. You don't know how the Holy Spirit's worked in their lives regarding those things. But we do know that God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. So that's where I start. And then in the same Psalm 103, verse 10, two verses later, he says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And, of course, that's a reference to the grace of God to those who embrace God's solution in Christ but there's one other section of scripture here that is not comfortable but has to be part of the conversation if we're going to be honest with your question knowing God is sovereign and certain people haven't come to faith and how do we deal with that how do we deal with God in that in our relationship with him What says this in Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 21. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? And and Paul just asked or just told a story about Jacob and Esau and how God chose Jacob and hated Esau. And Paul says, or he asks, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? He says, by no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say then, Well, why does God still find fault? For who can resist God's will? And here's Paul's answer to your question, Jeremy. And this is generally (laughs) not well received by Christians or non-Christians. But here's Paul's answer to your question. Um, Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and the other for dishonorable use? That's uncomfortable. Um, But again, it's a submission to. Paul is simply asking us to submit to the sovereignty of God. God is good, gracious, kind, patient, abounding in love, but he's sovereign. He will never do wrong. He can't do wrong. So what do you say to someone who doesn't know where their loved ones are after death? Trust God. Trust that He's a good, patient, loving God. Hmm. Hmm. That's what I say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's what Jesus did, right? When he was yeah when he was in the garden and mm-hmm. as he was being led a, to the cross his his hope was in the loving goodness of his father and and the reward that was coming his way mm-hmm. right well and he said not my will yeah but yours yeah yeah so that submission that, that that's a obe- submission to that the obedience. sovereignty of god yeah 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 so i uh, this kind of leads into our yeah. next next question is that 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 ultimate scene of chaos in in world history, you know, more than World War One, more than World War Two, and all the deaths that transpired there, is this scene of Christ going to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, there's chaos all around. The disciples are are freaking out. They don't know what to do. What's going on? Um, Jerusalem is in an uproar. Uh, there's there's just massive chaos taking place around the death of
1: Christ. Yeah, and. Including at every level, political included. Caesar was going bonkers. International crisis was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Smells like today. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yet we read that Jesus in in Hebrews chapter 12, that Jesus went to his death on the cross with joy. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the, the obvious question is how do we go to death with joy? like Jesus
1: did. Well, let's let's back up to how you started the question. You know, the, the cross and everything surrounding it was chaotic. Yeah. I would ask you, Jeremy, from whose perspective? Man's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Was it chaotic in God's perspective? No. Not at all. It was planned, according to Peter, that before the foundation of the world, the lamb was sacrificed. This was God's plan. It was coming together perfectly. Yeah. It was not chaos. It was beautiful. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John describes that occasion, Jesus on the cross, as the ultimate means of glorifying the Son. Hmm. Now Jesus cried to his Father, glorify your Son, Hmm. as I had in the glory of the past ages with you. Now. And so Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, saw Calvary as an enormous, glorifying (laughs) event. It looks chaotic from a human perspective. You read the Gospels and it's chaos, but it wasn't chaos in God's eyes. And so Jesus could say, like it's recorded in Hebrews, that he endured the cross with joy. Yeah. Why? Why? Because he knew the outcome he planned it and the one who ordained and actually planned the death of his son has ordained and planned every breath of your life and mine it's the same god so we have tremendous hope in the midst of our chaos in the midst of our the the death of our loved ones and our own mortality we have a peace that passes understanding. we have a savior who has solved the sin's most radical chaos which is death and it's this is how we can have joy in our circumstances in the midst of death you know um, speaking about Christ's work on Calvary um, you remember what Paul said in the in verses three through 14 in Ephesians one three times he said all these things that Christ accomplished was for the praise of his glorious grace Mm -hmm. the praise of his glorious grace the praise of his glorious grace Mm -hmm. three times it was said all pointed at the the death of Christ and the work of Christ on Calvary so it's not chaotic it is from our perspective um and death is chaos, there's no question. Yeah. Paul essentially calls it that. Yeah. But it is in the middle of God's plan to exalt His glory, yeah. to bring joy to His people. Yeah. God desires us to be joyful. Jesus made that clear in John's Gospel. I, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So I, I think that we can rest in our Savior, we can rest in the truths of Scripture, that that this chaos is is basically our perspective and i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying it's not the the whole picture
0: sure sure yeah
1: jesus actually came out of the tomb yeah and promised that we will join him remember he said in john 14 because i live you too will live so one day we will see him we will see each other this is temporary and i think that's one of the keys to to being able to be joyful in this, this is temporary. I, this isn't going to last forever. This too shall pass. Um, so no, this is this story is still being written, and we know the ending. Yeah. Revelation 21: There will be no more death, no more tears. I read that either last Sunday or the Sunday before. Yeah, that I, helps us grieve, right? Yeah, it
0: should it should yeah yeah i and i think that's 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 the key is like you know colossians 3 tells us to not set our minds on the things of this earth right, right? look look to christ and in, mm-hmm. in everything that he's done uh we forget that we're strangers and exiles mm-hmm. here on this earth mm-hmm. we forget that this is not our home
1: so we're citizens
0: of heaven yeah
1: um right. All those, all those things are, are things that we, we forget. And the thing that draws us into despair and unending grief is losing focus of that, is forgetting that. Yeah. 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 We, we, we've put too much stock in this world and what it can provide. And death yanks that out from underneath you yeah. every time. Yeah. And so if your hope is in your job or your rela- human relationships or... You know, your power or your home or yeah, death is not good news. Yeah, Charles ever Charles Spurgeon.
0: Charles Spurgeon said that uh, six feet of dirt makes all men equal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Death is death is real. Doesn't yeah. matter if you're rich or poor, old or young. Yeah, it, it's a reality for everybody. You'll be pushing up
1: daisies sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. So, what we believe. In, what we know of Christ, really important to this whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's why I think 1 Corinthians is one of those chapters in the Bible that we should constantly be reminding ourselves yep. of. It's, Cling to. It's, it's an amazing chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we we talk about the death of Christ a lot and mm-hmm. its benefits, and that's important and we should be doing that, I think we can easily forget this, you know, huge portion of the gospel, and that's the resurrection of well, Christ. Well, without the resurrection, it's not gospel. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's what Paul says. It's not good news. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> what Paul says. Uh, but in in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul spends 58 verses reminding us of the realities and benefits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so, John, why don't you walk us through why the resurrection is so vital in our outlook of life? death and eternity.
1: Can I let the Apostle Paul walk us through that? Sure. (laughs) Okay, let me read 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 12 through 19. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In this life only, we, of all people, most to be pitied. We are to be pitied more than anybody if we don't believe in the resurrection. Our hope is the resurrection. Our hope is that Jesus was wrecked. Our hope is that the tomb was empty. This is why those who witnessed the empty tomb ran away overflowing with joy and just I can ima- I can just picture it in my mind just running and screaming and hollering yeah. like crazy people. Yeah. Running back into Jerusalem and saying to anybody who would listen, he is alive. Yeah. I remember Jesus saying because I live you too will live. Wait a minute. I'm going to die. Yeah, sure, I know that. Yeah. But the moment my eyes close, Paul says, I will be in the presence of Christ. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That is that's what is our hope. That's what that's what guides our grieving with the loved ones who know Christ like sure. my dad. I I don't I'm not thinking about, you know, his last month of, you know, challenging circumstances. I mean, sure. it was not easy. Sure. For him especially.
0: Yeah.
1: I guarantee you he's not thinking about that right now. Yeah. He is rejoicing and Full of joy yeah. and bliss and just to the brim, yeah yeah yeah, so that that's paul's word on and matter, yeah, <laughs> on the importance of the resurrection
0: well and that's and that's the reward that we labor to right well, it depends what you mean labor i i mean like the the Christian walk as the days that we want to give up and, and you know all these different things we we're
1: looking to that reward which yes is we keep those things in mind Christ right yeah yeah we're not laboring for that promise we're not laboring for that right. salvation right we're we're laboring to stay focused on that right yes right. don't get distracted by the world don't don't fall into the trap that that this world is your home. And that whatever you can, you know, accumulate here is all that you can enjoy. No, it's the opposite of that. Oh, and that's why we have, that's why we have our
0: confessions in the liturgy, you know, every week Mm -hmm. is, is to remind ourselves that we haven't, we haven't done this. Right. We haven't looked at Christ. And it is a daily battle too, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's constant because our, our, I think our, our old nature naturally drifts that earthly direction. Yeah. And we've got a battle, labor, like you say, yeah. towards a, a, a right perspective, a godly yeah. perspective, on all these things. Right. Yeah. Right. So throughout the the
0: scriptures, John, we're reminded of of the brevity of life. Uh, the psalmist says in in Psalm ninety, uh, the years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. James in his epistle calls our lives a vapor, a mist in James chapter 4. So in light of of the brevity of life, um, we're also exhorted or called to number our days um, that we may get a heart of wisdom and also to... Look carefully at how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of our time because the days are evil. How do we do that?
1: Well, a couple of things came to my mind when you were asking the question. One is I haven't heard anybody say that my my dad's life was so short. You know, and yet you just talked about the brevity of life. Yeah. Right. How can we think of a ninety year old passing away as having a brief life got eternity right yeah. compared to eternity, it is a vapor that's yeah. james point, right so no matter how long you live, methuselah nine hundred and sixty nine years was a brief life yeah now, in in view of eternity i mean you, any number you throw out there is brief, yeah right so seventy, eighty, ninety, that's really brief, yeah, so how do we how do we keep this perspective that you're you're asking about how do we how do we make the best use of our time because the days are evil well I, I'm going to, again go back to scripture that's all I got here, Jer. Um, <laughs> but take up our cross and follow Jesus, our Lord and Savior, yeah that's how we do it. it says in Ecclesiastes 12: thirteen. As depressing as that book is, it ends on the right note. This is almost the last verse of the book. Here's the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And then in Romans 13, Paul says this. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep for salvation is near to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hmm. That's how. That's how we keep a good perspective. We follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. We, 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 uh, we participate, we cooperate with mm-hmm. the Spirit in His conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ our Savior, where we involve ourselves in the life of the church, the Bride of Christ. We, we pour the Scriptures over our children. Mm-hmm. We take every opportunity to love the saints and to share the good news of Jesus Christ What you don't want is to get to the end of your life and realize that you've lived it for yourself, Mm -hmm. that you haven't made much of Christ, either in your home, at your work, or on your leisure. Mm -hmm. Friends, don't do that. Mm -hmm. You will be so sad if you come to your senses in your mid-70s and realize you've lived the last 68, 75 years for yourself, yeah. Lord, spare me yeah. i i couldn 't take it yeah. in fact, that 's one of the main reasons I 'm in full time ministry. I remember as a as a young man applying for a youth pastor job. It was at Westside. I remember they asked me, "Why do you want to be in youth ministry?" and I said, "Because I want to hear well done now, good and faithful servant hmm. that 's why. Hmm. I mean, you can, you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, as a plumber, a doctor, a lawyer. Uh, maybe not a lawyer, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah, in whatever, whatever vocation you want, yeah. but you must be making Christ in that place. Yeah. Make much of Christ in your home. Mm-hmm. Keep God's perspective on life and death. Be, a, be a, a source of hope and joy to the world around you. When this chaos is just wreaking havoc in our lives, in our community, in our relationships. Be the voice that, that Paul says here, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get involved in quarreling and jealousy. Put on Christ. Um, live for him. That's how. Daily. Get up in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself, like Luther said, every morning. Get up and realize why God has given you another day to breathe. It's not to make much of yourself. It's not to you know line your pockets for your retirement, right It's to make much of God and his kingdom, right So yeah.
0: yeah, that's great. yeah, that's great. I think I'll add one more passage to that list that you gave, sure. uh, and that's the conclusion of First Corinthians 15 yeah he he lays out the the amazing truths of the resurrection, and then Paul concludes with this. he says, therefore, yeah after all this, yeah, my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.
1: It's exactly what I'm saying, yeah,
0: amen, well, John, thank you. Thank you for sharing this truth, and uh, yeah, it's been really good.
1: Thank you, Jer. It's it's a it is a a uh, sobering conversation, sobering subject. But man, you got to think about it. You got to not not avoid the conversation, but invite it. Because I think when you think about death, like kind of like your your introdu- introductory quote from MacArthur, it, it clears up a lot of stuff. You know, when you when you keep our mortality in view, it clears up a lot of decision-making in your life, yes. a lot of prioritizing. Yeah. Where is this going to fit in my life? Well, I am going to die here someday, and maybe sooner than I think. What are my priorities today? And that's what Paul was saying. Yeah. Keep in mind, their labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah, yeah such good stuff, man important stuff yeah yeah really good
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well church we love you we hope that this has been an encouragement to you Uh, we look forward to being with you on sunday and next week on the voice of the valley have a great day